When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Risings, I'm Liz Earnshaw, and this is Hash It Out. Today, I am joined by Jenna Rosenau, who is a licensed clinical social worker and I've known for many, many years. And one of Jenna's specialties is working with people who are struggling with chronic pain, illness, medical issues in the therapy world. And as a couples therapist and a family therapist, something that comes up a lot is the stress conflict, resentment that comes up for people when one person in the family or multiple people in the family are struggling with a chronic or an acute illness. It brings a lot of stress to the family. So I am bringing Jenna on this week so that we can talk together about some common things that come up for people in their relationships. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, but parent-child, friendships, all of those types of things when there is a chronic illness living in the relationship with them. And so I just wanna take a second to welcome Jenna and we're gonna be answering your questions this week. I'm really excited about it, but Jenna, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here this week. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So Jenna, can you introduce yourself to everyone who's listening? Tell them a little bit about what it is that you do and where you work and all of that kind of stuff. Sure. So like Liz said, my name is Jenna and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I practice out of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And I have a history of working with individuals and families who have a long journey and history of dealing with chronic pain and illness. I now have been working with a Better Life Therapy for I would say probably two years, specializing with individuals, families, and couples. I do have a number of individuals who do have a history of chronic illness and it's great work and a lot of good work can be done. So I'm excited to share some of that with you. So prior to working in private practice, you spent a great number of years working in hospitals. You worked in a children's hospital and you also worked at the other end of the spectrum doing like in-home medical therapy for geriatric patients, right? So you've really seen it all. And I was curious as we start the week, I thought it would be really interesting to maybe talk about, to kind of normalize what it is that you see happen in relationship dynamics when there is someone who is struggling. So maybe if we started with your experience with children, like what do you often see happening to the family members and to the relationships within those families when a child is struggling with a medical diagnosis, a chronic illness? Yeah, great question. So in the family dynamic, there's so many different systems going on. And, you know, it's so interesting to watch how everybody actually ends up wearing different hats. So you have the identified 
you know, sick person, if you will. And then you have the parents or the caregivers and the other children, if there are. And oftentimes the first big kind of change you see are the parents and how the parents start to navigate having a child who has a chronic illness or has just been diagnosed with something. You see the immediate changes in their lives, maybe their jobs, their, you know, how much they are now spending in the hospital, in the medical environment. You begin to notice parents start to wear the hats of a medical provider, that they begin to play different roles, that they're now the parent, they're the support person, they are the advocate. And, you know, sometimes they know more about the child's medical than anyone else. So they're, they're really, really wearing a lot of different hats and that can get very exhausting and role confusion can definitely come into play. You know, and as far as relationships go, I think that there's a lot of stress, right? So there's also a lot of recommendation and where we want the family to get help and support outside of the identified sick child. So are they communicating? Are they on the same page? Are they checking in with one another? How has it been impacting the other children? It's important to be able to check in in all of those aspects. Yeah, it's a lot. I was thinking as we were talking about one of the things that as a couples therapist, I know has the biggest impact on couples being able to navigate conflict is stress. And that people will be at each other's throats. They will think they hate each other. They'll be so angry with each other. But when we slow down and we talk about it, what we often find is that the origin of that is stress that is outside of them as a couple. So dealing with the medical system, dealing with, I'm thinking when you're talking about the medical system, like the types of stress, dealing with insurance companies, dealing with the cost, dealing with who leaves work and who gets to stay at work and who's with the kid and who's not with the kid. And it's so much outside stress. And when people don't know how to navigate their stress, which who in the world is prepared to navigate that type of stress? No one individually even knows how to navigate that, let alone relationally. It makes so much sense that it could really tear people apart. And I think I could be wrong about this, but I think there's statistics around Mm -hmm. how many people break up when a child is sick, a child dies. And if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a pretty big percentage that end up, their relationship ends up ending because of that stress. Yeah, it's almost like the parents end up going through so much together during this period. And, you know, at the end, if the end results in the child, unfortunately, passing, the parents don't may not have anything more to, to fight for, if that makes sense, that they did everything they could and it didn't work out the way that they wanted and that alone can very much damage a relationship, a marriage, you know. So yeah, it's definitely seen a lot, I believe. And it also depends on the support system, right? So like, what does the support system look like? Is there extended family? Are there other people, you know, helping and supporting each other throughout the whole process? So I think that that 
is huge and sometimes not everyone has that. You see people traveling from all over the, the world, the country, you know, going to the special hospitals to give the child and family the best care. So you don't always have a support system. So yes, we do see that a lot. Do you have tips for building a support system? Are there things that people can do or that you've seen people do that seems to help in some way? Well, yeah, I mean, I think now, especially with COVID times that everything is, is virtual. So if there are support groups that you can just like click on from the, your fingertips or are you doing Zoom dates with your family in another state, pandemic aside, if you're able to go in person to do an actual support group in person. I think during a challenging time when you have a sick family member, accepting the support when it's there. So oftentimes, you know, people are reaching out and, and trying to help. And sometimes you don't want that help and that's okay. And I think that any little bit of, of support that, that you can get, it's, it's important to consider it because I think it does go a long way. But yeah, but for people who don't have a lot, I would always rely on support groups, resources. What does the hospital have? There's child life specialists who can come and support and do counseling, you know, with the other children to help them understand what's going on. There's social work, there's just support caretakers in the hospital. There, there's so many different avenues that are there. Amazing. So this week, I'm going to be talking to Jenna about chronic illness and the impact on relationships. Each day this week, we're going to be answering listener questions from listeners who are caretakers or are some way connected to someone who has a chronic illness and are really trying to do their best to be a great parent or a great partner or a great friend. And so they're kind of looking for tips on how to do that. And for those of you listening, I'm sure there's very few people who are listening right now who are not in some way impacted by this. According to the National Health Council, 133 million Americans have incurable ongoing chronic diseases. That's more than 40% of the population in the United States, which means that if more than 40% of the population has an incurable disease, almost 100% of people are probably in some way connected to someone who has an incurable disease and who needs the support. And our relationships are so incredibly important when it comes to healing. And so for those of us that are in a relationship with someone who has a chronic illness, it's important for us to not only be able to take care of ourselves, but to be able to be caring and loving and compassionate to the other person. And there's skills that we can use to make sure that we do that. And if we're the one living with a chronic illness, it's important to be able to reach into our people, to be able to get the support that we need. I was actually writing a an article the other day about the impact of relationships on health. And it is really, really significant. So we're going to be trying to help you, the listener this week, understand how do we build really great relationships while still taking care of ourselves in the midst of the stress that is caused by illness. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Jenna. And I'm so excited to talk to you the rest of the week. And thank you for having me. Hi, 
I'm here with Jenna Rosenau, who is a licensed clinical social worker, and I am Liz Earnshaw, the author of I Want This to Work. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you so much for listening to Good Risings. We love to hear from you. So please take a moment to leave a review. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to me to learn how to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.